You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Bhutan on the Calvary Brighton Podcast. Hey, you know, I, I heard about a guy that, that serves as a deacon in his church, and, and this is a guy who was really, really prideful. In fact, you know, kind of spiritually prideful, kind of a guy that, that thought he was more spiritual and more holy than anybody else. And, and, and so much so that he, he always kind of had this condescending attitude where he was critical of people and always judgmental towards other people because they weren't as spiritual as he was. So one day he's, he's talking to a little boy in the church trying to teach him a lesson. And he's like, young man, you, you know, why, why do people call me a Christian? And the little boy thinks about it for a while. And he says, well, it's probably because they don't know you. Uh, <laughs> hey, out of the mouths of babes, right? Well, now remember, back in chapter 5 last week, we were talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, now Paul keeps going with that theme, uh, but, but, but now he gets even more practical and, and he discusses the topic of, of what a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit really looks like. And, and so he uses a, a, an illustration of a, of a fellow believer in Christ, a fellow Christian who happens to stumble into some kind of sin. Now, maybe, maybe it's an affair or maybe it's drinking or maybe it's this or maybe it's that, but, but they stumble into some kind of sin. Now listen, when that happens, when, when, a, when, when somebody who's a Christian that we know, when they stumble into sin and they get involved into something, what do the rest of us do? Well, we typically gossip about them and call it a prayer request, right? You know, hey, you know, you got you to gotta pray for so-and-so. I mean, you know, they, they cheated on their wife, you know, and, and you know, so we, we just kind of spread the news. Or we judge them and, and, and get critical of them. Or like in our inside voice, uh, in our heart, we form these judgments about them when we see them. You know, we see them in an inside voice. We say something like, oh, there they are, Mr. Adultery. Now, what does Paul tell us to do? Well, Paul tells us that those of us who are spiritual are to restore such a person. And so it's on that note that now as we go back to verse 1, we see that first of all, a spiritual person is a restoring person. A spiritual person is a restoring person. Let's go back to chapter 6, verse 1. Actually, let's get some context. Let's back it up a little bit and go back to chapter 5 and the last two verses, verses 25 and 26. Because if you remember, in the original manuscripts, there were no chapter divisions. There, there, there were no chapter numbers. Those chapter numbers were put there later for our convenience. But really, this was meant to flow one into the other. So let's recapture that flow as we go back now to chapter 5, verse 25. And it says, For if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Chapter 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so first of all, Paul in chapter 5 says that if we're, if we're living by the Spirit, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Now in context, that goes back to what Paul was talking about in chapter 5. We're back in chapter 5, verse 16, he told us to, to walk by the Spirit. In fact, that word walk in, in Galatians chapter 5, peripateo, this is a word that, that, that is metaphorically being used for your lifestyle. It's metaphorically being used as, 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 as like your habitual way of living. 
And yet this word also implies that you're making progress. Because listen, if, if you're walking, well then you're moving forward. If you're walking, you're making progress. And so in the same way, uh, the, the Christian life is, is to be a walk where you're moving forward in Christ. You're, you're making progress as you walk with the Lord. In other words, uh, today, you should be much different today than you were the day that you first got saved. The day that you first became a Christian. There should be some progress in your life. There should there, there should be some growth in your life. And, and so if you're walking in the Spirit, if, if, you're, if you're keeping in step with the Spirit, if you're growing in the Lord, well then in chapter 6 it says that when a brother is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual would restore such a person. And so in other words, if you're really growing, if you're really walking in step with the Spirit, then we should be able to tell by how you deal with a fellow brother or sister who's been overtaken in sin. Now, how does Paul tell us to deal with them? He says in verse 1, to restore them. Now, that word restore, kartatizo, uh, it's, it's a word that, that means to mend or repair. And oftentimes it was, it was used to, uh, to, uh, in, in the fishing industry. You know, in the fishing industry, you, you would have these nets, a, a casting net. In fact, a large net called a drag net that would take a whole team of people to cast out there. And then it would, it would go out there, and then it would kind of sink its way all the way down to the bottom. Then when it, when it got to the bottom, then you would drag it across the bottom. But now the problem as you would drag this net across the bottom, bottom is, is that sometimes it would get snagged on a rock. And then in the process, it would tear. Well, now, uh, if, if, if you didn't you know, pay attention to that, soon that little tear becomes a hole. And then little by little, that, that hole gets bigger and bigger, and then a fish escapes, and, and then maybe several fish escape. And, 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 and so really, if you, if you think about it, one small tear makes the whole net weak. And that's why at the end of the day, fishermen would often inspect their nets, and, and, and they would look for tears. And if they found a tear, they would mend them and repair them. And so in the, in the same way, listen, one small tear in the church, one, one small faction, one small division in the body of Christ, uh, it makes the whole body of Christ weak. You might say that, that what affects one person in the body affects the whole body. Now this word, uh, restore, katatorizo, uh, this, this, this word not only means to mend or restore, and it was used in the fishing industry, but it was also used in the medical profession. Specifically, the idea of, of resetting a broken bone or, or, or resetting a, a, a joint that, that's been dislocated, like a, like a shoulder or something like that. Now listen, when you're going to reset a bone or reset a joint, you, you, you don't do it aggressively and angrily. No, you, you do it gently. You don't just come and grab somebody like, give me that arm. You, know? you, you do it gently. Even as it says in verse 1, to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And so in other words, here's the idea. The idea is that when there's someone in your life, someone you personally know, and they're in some kind of sin, they're struggling with some kind of sin, and now it's come, and it's your turn, and it's your time to talk to them about their sin. Listen, you don't come to them, you know, arrogantly, as if you're so much better than they are, nor do you come to them brashly or, or harshly so as to make them feel worse than they already do. No, you come to them gently. That word can also be translated humbly. You come to them humbly and gently. Now, by the way, notice that word caught when it says, if anyone is caught in any transgression. Some English translations, instead of use the word caught, they use the word overtaken. 
overtaken. In other words, the word seems to imply that, 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 that they didn't necessarily go out of their way to find this sin. Instead, actually, sin found them. You see, it wasn't premeditated. It, it wasn't that they were planning on doing this. It just kind of happened that way. They got, they got caught up in the moment, and now here they are. And so what it's saying is, is that those of us who are spiritual, we should feel compelled to, to go and help them. We should feel compelled to, 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 to bring them out of that sin and restore them back into fellowship. But then Paul attaches a warning in verse 1. And he says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, here is not what Paul's saying. Paul is not saying that, 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 that if you're not careful, you're going to be enticed to, to fall into their sin. He's not saying that if you're not careful, you, you'll, you'll end up participating in their sin and, and doing it with them. I mean, of course, that's always a possibility, but, but the idea here is that he's saying, you know what? When, when you're going out there and you're helping someone who, who's in sin and, and you're going to help them, be careful because as you help them, you might get a little prideful. You might get a little prideful and you might start judging them and criticizing them or you might get prideful and think that you're so much better than they are because you don't struggle with the kind of sins that they struggle with. And so Paul says, don't go to them with, with that prideful attitude. No, instead he says, go to them in a spirit of gentleness or humility. And so number one, a spiritual person is a restoring person. But now, number two, as we pick it up in verse two, we see that a spiritual person is a burden bearer. A burden bearer. Verse two, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now the word burden, it's the Greek word baros. And in the Greek, it means an extra heavy weight that requires really the weight to be distributed so that many people can carry it. In other words, it's a weight that's so heavy, there's no way one person can carry it. It was a weight that was designed for a whole team of people to carry. And so the, the idea is, is that, you know, in life, there are people out there who, who are carrying a load, a tremendous load, a load that was meant to be carried by a whole team, and they're bearing the whole weight of it on themselves. And it is literally crushing them to death. They're being crushed under the weight of it. You know, maybe it's the, the death of a loved one. Maybe, maybe it's divorce. Maybe, maybe it's chronic depression or, 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 or something else. But they're literally being crushed under the weight of it. It was designed for a whole team to help carry. Now, by the way, this, this, this word baros or, or burdened, which I told you means a, a weight that is, that is so enormous it takes a team to carry, it seems that in this context, the context seems to imply that, that it's speaking of, of a burden that, 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 that is so heavy that if they don't get help carrying that, that, that load, carrying the burden, the weight of it, well then that, 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 the weight, the pressure might be the very thing that tempts them into sin. So they're under all this pressure, they're, they're, they're under this enormous pressure, and it might be the pressure itself that eventually tempts them into sin. Let me put it this way. I, I don't know how many of you uh, have ever had to deal with somebody who, who's addicted to something. You know, maybe they're addicted to alcohol or, or to drugs or maybe porn or, or whatever it is. But, but now, you know, I'm not an expert on this. But from what I've read, experts say that, that, that typically addicts have what you might call a trigger. There, there's a trigger. There's something that triggers this addiction. You know, typically speaking, you know, somebody who's, who's got an addiction, you know, for, for them, their addiction in many ways has become their coping mechanism to handle the pressure they're under. 
So under all this pressure, you know, and maybe, maybe they're, they're all the, under all this stress at work, or maybe their marriage is on the rocks, or, or there's a death in the family, or, or the economy, or this or that, but they're under all this pressure, and, and, and they just snap. They, just, they, they, they need an escape. They, they need a way out of the pressure. And so momentarily, this, this sin, or this addiction, it becomes their escape from the pressure that they're under. I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm not saying that they should do that. I'm just saying that's oftentimes what happens. Listen, a person in that situation, by the way, they don't need the bottle. They don't need a bottle of spirits. They need the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. In fact, really what they need is someone who's filled by the Holy Spirit to come alongside them and help them carry that pressure, help take some of the pressure off. But what happens? You know, a lot of times in the church, somebody, you know, falls into sin. They, they, they have some kind of a struggle. And, and far too often what happens is, is their fellow brother or sister in Christ, they, 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 they end up judging them rather than loving them. And we end up, you know, uh, you know uh, we don't lighten the load. We, we, we add to the load. And so Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Now, in the original language, this is in a Greek tense called the present imperative tense. And all that means for you is, is that this is describing an, an, an ongoing activity. In other words, it's, it's saying that, you know what, as a Christian, this is like your habitual day-in, day-out way of life as a follower of Christ. It's saying that you know, as, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, part of your daily routine ought to be that, they, that you're, you're, you're always walking alongside someone who's, who's under so much pressure they need help to carry it. They're under all this pressure, and you've come alongside, and you're taking some of that pressure off. And who knows, but by doing so, you may have actually prevented them from caving into sin. Now that they're not carrying the pressure alone, now that they're, they're not carrying the full load of it, now that you're shouldering the load with them, they may not need the escape. They may not need the, 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 the coping mechanism they've always used in the past. Because now they've got the body of Christ helping to shoulder the load. And so number one, a spiritual person is a restoring person. Number two, a spiritual person is a burden bearer. But now we find out what a, a spiritual person is not. In verses three and four of Galatians chapter six, uh, we, we, Paul tells us that, a, that a, a spiritual person is not a prideful person. Not a prideful person. Verse three, Paul says again, for if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then uh, his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. So Paul says, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing. How many of us know somebody like that? Two of us. <laughs> Two of us know that the rest of you are like that. Um, so, you know, I mean, you know, I mean how many of us, you, we, we all know somebody, right, who, who thinks that there's something when they're not, right? I mean, they, you know, they, they think they're all that in a bag of chips, right? You know, they just, they think they're all of that. And by the way, isn't it interesting that we all know someone like that, but it's never us? <laughs> I mean, you know, we know someone who thinks they're all that, but, you know, it's never us. Now, remember, back in verse 1, Paul warned us, right? He, he said, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So now when we put this all together, Paul's saying, hey, listen, watch out. You know, as, as you, quote, unquote, go to help someone and, and they're struggling in this sin, watch out as you're, quote, unquote, helping them. Because you know what? You might very easily become prideful in the process. Now, what does that look like? What does it look like to be prideful while you're helping someone else deal with their sin? Well, maybe, maybe you come in with a condescending attitude or, or a judgmental attitude. Or maybe you come in and you act like you're some kind of a self-proclaimed expert. 
like how Jesus put it in, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, there's a plank in your own eye. Hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love this. Hey, don't tell me Jesus wasn't sarcastic. He's like, you know, look, I mean, how is it that you're able to find the tiniest speck of sin in everybody else's life, but you can't even see the stinking telephone pole in your own? <laughs> and by the way, that word speck or, or plank that Jesus used, in the original language, they share the same root word. They have, they, they have the same root word. And in fact, the only difference between the two is, is quantity the amount, the, the size of it. In other words, the, the reason I am so able to, to, to look and, and see the tiniest splinter of sin in someone else's life, and I can spot it a mile away just, just as easy as ever. The reason it's so easy for me to do that is because, quite frankly, I've got so much of the same thing in myself. I'm like an expert. I'm staring at it all the time. And I can spot the tiniest speck from a mile away. Now notice, Jesus, what, what does he say to do in Matthew 7? He says, first remove the, 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 the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see more clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Now listen, Jesus wasn't saying not to deal with sin. And that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. If there's sin, you have to deal with sin. If someone is struggling in sin and, and, and there's something going on, yeah, it's got to be dealt with. Absolutely has to be dealt with. But what Jesus is saying is that, you know what? If you're going to deal with sin, make sure that the very first sinner on your list to deal with is yourself. Tackle the telephone pole before you look for the speck. Deal with yourself first. And by the way, when you do that, when you remove the telephone pole from your own life, then chances are when you go to help someone with their, 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 their splinter, you're going to know a thing or two about it. Because you've dealt with this, you, you now know a thing or two about splinters. And you're probably going to be a little more loving in the process. You're probably not going to come all angry and, and, and arrogantly and be like, Hey, sinner, let me help you with your splinter. <laughs> no, instead, you're, you're probably going to come up and be like, Hey, bro, you know what? It's probably none of my business, and I, I don't know how to bring this up, but you know, I, I know that there's, there's something in your life. You know, I know you're struggling with something, and I just want you to know, I know your pain. I, I know your struggle. I, I, I know the pressure that you're under. In fact, the reason I know is because, you know what? I've been there. I, I, I've struggled with the very same thing myself for years. But I just want you to know that, that by God's grace, he set me free from that. He, he delivered me from that. And if you'll let me, if you'll allow me, I would love to help you. And so, and so you, you, you don't come in arrogance, you, you come humbly. I think that's the essence of what Paul was saying back in verse 1. Restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, in a spirit of humility. And so a spiritual person is a restoring person. A spiritual person uh, bears uh, the burdens of others. And a spiritual person is not prideful. But now in verse 5, now Paul tells those of us who, who are spiritual that we're to bear a burden and not to be a burden. Bear a burden, don't be one. <laughs> Verse 5, Paul says, for each will have to bear his own load. Now, some might read this and think, well, that sounds like a contradiction. Because, you know, back in verse 2, Paul said, bear one another's burden. But now in verse 5, he says, you know, bear your own burden. Bear your own load. That sounds like a contradiction. Well, it's not a contradiction, especially if you know the language, the, the, the Greek that's being used here. For example, I mentioned back in verse 2, the word uh, burden 
that was used back there in verse 2 when he says, bear one another's burden. We mentioned it was the Greek word baros. It, it, it speaks of, of that load that, that's so heavy, it takes a whole team to carry the load. But here in verse 5, uh, it's a different word that's being used for load or, or for burden. In fact, as, as Warren Wiersbe points out, this word that's used here for load or burden is a word that speaks of a soldier's uh, backpack, a soldier carrying his own backpack. In other words, it's the idea of, you know what, I've got to pull my own weight. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to carry my own load. And here's what it looks like. You see, in those ancient times, uh, in, in battle, a Roman soldier was, was given his marching pack. Now, that marching pack would, would contain his, his food rations, a, a blanket, a cloak, and a cooking pot. And listen to this. It was, the, it was the responsibility of each individual Roman soldier to be self-sufficient. It was their job, it was their responsibility to, to, to pack their own backpack. And so you didn't want to become a, a burden to your fellow soldier because you neglected to, 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 to stock your pack, to, to, to fill up your bag, to, to, to pack your, your essentials and, and your rations and to make sure that you were fully supplied. It's saying that you're responsible. Each individual is responsible for packing their own bag. Now, in the same way, listen, spiritually speaking, while it's true that, that yes, as believers, we should always be available to, to help one another and to help carry somebody's load if it's too big to be carried alone. But at the same time, this reminds us that not every burden is meant to be a group project. You know, each, each, each of us as Christians, we each have our own individual responsibility as believers in Christ to be self-feeding. Not just rely on someone else to, to, to feed us this, but on a regular basis to open this up and to feed ourselves, to, to be in the word on a regular basis, to, to pray on a regular basis, to talk to the Lord, to worship the Lord. We need to be self-sufficient. We need to be self-sufficient soldiers who are making sure that our rations are always supplied. It's not someone else's job to make sure we're fed. And I bring that up because, you know, sometimes what happens is, you know, maybe, maybe somebody falls into sin. And this has happened. I, I've heard this before, but people come up and, and, and they'll say, well, you know, the reason I fell into sin is, is, is because, you know, all these guys who were supposed to keep me accountable didn't do their job. They, they, they failed me. They, they let me down. You know, they didn't call me or the, or the pastor didn't reach out to me or, or, or this person wasn't there when I needed him or that person wasn't there when I needed him. It was their fault. Now, now, hold on. The truth of the matter is that you and I are responsible for our own backpacks. You and I are responsible to carry our own load, to, to be self-sufficient. So listen, if, if, if we haven't been in fellowship with the Lord for a while personally, I mean, if we haven't been in his word for a while, if we haven't been praying and talking to the Lord on a regular basis, then we cannot blame our fellow, fellow soldier for them not carrying our backpack. That was our pack. We're to keep the rations supplied. We're to be self-sufficient, self-sustaining. And so what Paul's saying is, is that, you know, a, a truly spiritual person, a person filled by the Holy Spirit, somebody who's walking in step with the Spirit, number one, they're going to bear their own load. They're going to bear the responsibility for their own relationship with the Lord. They're not going to put that on someone else's shoulders. It's their responsibility to walk with the Lord. But then number two, someone who, who's filled by the Spirit, someone who has the fruit of the Spirit in life, somebody who's walking in step with the Spirit, yeah, when they see a fellow believer who's being crushed under a load that's too much for one person to carry, well, then immediately they're going to run alongside and, and, and they're going to help shoulder that load. They're going to help carry that burden. 
By the way, uh, if you remember in chapter 5, that's just what Paul called the fruit of the Spirit. You know, in other words, the sign that the Holy Spirit's really in you, that the sign that, that, that you really are a spiritual person who's walking in step with the Holy Spirit is that you're going to go where the Holy Spirit goes. And believe me, when the Holy Spirit sees somebody under a load that's too much to bear, he goes to them. And if he's in you, then that should compel you to go to them and, and, and shoulder the load with them. By the way, do, do you remember what Jesus called the Holy Spirit besides like the Holy Spirit? You may remember in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. So Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. Now, by the way, that word helper, it's the Greek word paraclete. Now, a paraclete uh, is a word that just means someone who's been called to come alongside of you and help you. So it's the Holy Spirit. He's your paraclete. He comes alongside and he helps you. Now, by the way, in the ancient world, there were two different ways that this word paraclete was used. Number one, it was used in a legal sense. And number two, it was used in a military sense. Now, first of all, in the legal sense. And when it's used in the legal sense, sometimes it's translated advocate. You have an advocate. And, and the idea is that, you know what, when, when you are legally being attacked, when, when you are legally being persecuted, the paraclete comes to your side and defends you. That means that the Holy Spirit is, is your advocate. The Holy Spirit is your defense attorney. Now, why do you need a defense attorney? Well, because frankly, as a Christian, you already have a prosecuting attorney. His first name is Lou. His last name is Siffer. And he's good at his job. He's constantly attacking you. In fact, the Bible says that the devil, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, is the accuser of the brethren. It's his job. It's what he does. I mean, day in and day out, he does nothing but accusing you left and accusing you right, up and down. He accuses you all the time. You know, you think about it, the devil's just a creep, isn't he? You know, on the one hand, he comes up and he kind of whispers in your ear. He's like, hey, buddy, check this out. I got some sin here. You know, it's all, oh, it's going to be, oh, it's just, it's going to be so much fun. Listen, why don't you give it a try? I won't tell anybody. It'll be our little secret. Wink, wink. And so what happens? You fall for it. You give in and, 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 you, and you go ahead and you do it. And then what happens? He starts accusing you, right? He's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You, you call yourself a Christian. <laughs> you're nothing but a liar. You're nothing but a hypocrite. You're, you're a sinner. That's what you're, in fact, you're probably not even a Christian. You're probably not even saved. You're probably going to hell. And Jesus wants you to know in that moment that in that moment, you have an advocate. You have a defense attorney. His name is the Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. But listen to this. It stands to reason that if you have been filled by the Holy Spirit, in other words, if the paraclete, if the advocate is inside of you, then it stands to reason that, that when you have a, a brother or a sister who's fallen into some kind of sin, that you're going to be compelled to come alongside them and be their advocate. But isn't it interesting that in the church, so many of us sound more like the prosecuting attorney than the defense attorney. But we have the Holy Spirit in us, and he's the advocate. So it was used, number one, in, 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 a, in a legal context, but it was also used in, in, in the context of military. You see, in the Greek military, every Greek soldier was assigned a paraclete. And so you and your paraclete would go off into battle, and you and your paraclete would always fight back to back. So that, so that nobody could jump you from behind. Nobody could attack you from behind and sucker punch you. 
And so you might say that your paraclete had your six. Your, your paraclete had your back. But now something happened in battle and you got wounded and you got hurt. Well, now your paraclete was there to support you. You could lean on your paraclete. And if necessary, your paraclete could carry you. And in the same way, if the Holy Spirit is in you, if the paraclete is in you, then we should be compelled to carry the burden of a fellow soldier who's falling in battle. You know, whether it's the weight of depression or, or anxiety or, 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 or losing a loved one or, 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 or whatever it is. We should have this, this compelling uh, notion inside of us that want to come alongside them and shoulder the load. I heard about a little girl who was talking to her mom and, and she was telling her mom that her best friend was crying and so she helped her. And her mom said, well, what happened? And, and, and she said, well, her, her, she was crying because her, her favorite doll broke and her mom said, oh, well, you helped fix her doll for her? She says, no, mom, I helped her by helping her cry. Listen, that's the paraclete. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And I'm here to tell you, when he is in you, you can do that. You can be the paraclete in action. The one who comes alongside when your brother's falling. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Calvary Brighton podcast. To find out more about our ministry in Brighton, Colorado, go to calvarychapelbrighton.com.